Good morning, Grove Church. My name is Michael Campbell. I'm one of the elders here. Uh, I want to go through a passage this morning um, as we're going through the book of Matthew. If you would, go ahead and turn to Matthew 25, 14. Uh, we're going to go through the parable of the talents this morning and talk a little bit about what we get out of this passage, this parable that Jesus is teaching. Um, but before we get into that, I want to set a little bit of historical context, because I think that'll help, and then a little bit of, of uh, scriptural context. So in, the, um, in this parable, we see about servants, right, and their, their master's possessions. And in the ancient world, uh, this was a very common practice, right? Uh, slavery, slavery was very common. Uh, one country would invade another conquer them, enslave the population, send them all over the place. A couple of times during the Roman Empire, uh, over 75% of the population of the Roman Empire was uh, in slavery, right, because of all the conquest and things like that. And, you know, whether you're an emperor ruling an empire or you're a rich merchant or some kind of high-placed person, you've got better things to do than run your household, right? You know, you're not going to be worrying about the uh, the stables or the, the grain or, or different things like that, unless something's going wrong and you're losing money. So a lot of the times, the, these kind of rulers or people in higher positions, they would have slaves or servants, and they, they could be hired servants as well, but th they would take that more mundane type of work and put it off to them while they're going off journeying or, or doing whatever they may do. So... And as we know from the parables, you know, Jesus is talking to people in terms that they would understand. So this is another one of those where it is in their cultural context. It was very common. It's something when people would hear this, they'd say, oh, okay, yeah, this is what you know, rich people do all the time. They'll go off on trips and, and leave their servants to take care of the possessions and expect them to do a good job when they come back. So that gives some of the historical context as we go into the um, into the parable, but let's shift a little bit before we get into it into the scriptural context, right? So Jesus had just talked about and Matt, and Matt covered this a couple weeks back. Uh, you know, there's the parable of the ten virgins, where the parable is really about being ready, right? There's the readiness of the bride, bridegroom coming. Five of them have oil, five of them don't. Uh, Matt talked a little bit last week about, you know, preparedness and the need for that. And Matt, you touched a little bit on the how sometimes the um, sorry, the words escaping me, right? Prophecy. Thank you. It's like <laughs> so. You know, sometimes with prophecy, the problem is we get so caught up in what is the prophecy trying to say that we miss some of the simple truth that we try to read into it, right? And Matt, the example you had used last week was that, you know, even Jesus says only the Father will know when he's coming, right? But again, he's always saying, be prepared. So as we go into this one, into this uh, parable, be prepared, wait patiently. That's what we're commanded to do. But in this one, he's gonna, Jesus is going to add a little bit more to it. And I think there's one thing we definitely want to get out of this and two things that we don't want to get out of it. So let's go ahead and read the passage. 
So if you have your Bibles open to Matthew 25, 14, follow with me to verse 30. So it's a little bit of a long one. For it will be like, I'm sorry, let me back up and just um, include 13, which is the end of the last parable. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. So again, Jesus is talking about the preparedness, you know, of, of anticipating his return. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He would have received the five talents. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two more talents. But he who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He, he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master had answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I've scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, just explaining a few of the, the elements of the parable. Yeah, it, 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 it follows a lot of the previous parable of, of Jesus going away and, and you know, the, the waiting for him. In this one, this is Jesus ascending. We know he will return someday. That is the illustration of the, the master going on the journey. He'll eventually return. So we know that. We know that the servants are the people in his church. Right, the, the, the people who call themselves Christians. And we see that there are uh, talents that are given to them. So, fun fact actually, talent, and Matt, you've explained this before about in the ancient world, a talent was, uh, depending on where you were and which time, it was considered a unit of measure or it was considered an amount of money. Uh, through the study of etymology, which is basically the evolution of words, 
that, that same Greek word, um, which was teleton, which is the Greek words used here for money, has actually come into the English language, meaning what we think about talents today. You know, gifts and, and abilities and, and skills, sort of those, um, those spiritual gifts that the Lord gives us, right? So we can see a parallel in that. Uh, in this context of the parable, we have the servants taking what was entrusted to them, the, these valuable talents, and going out and investing and, and making more of them and growing them, growing what belongs to their master, right? Kind of growing his kingdom, so to speak. So we, we see that parallel there. And just as we have spiritual gifts given to us, those talents and abilities and skills, we do the same thing. So I just found that kind of interesting where the, how the, the word has actually evolved into, into meaning that and how applicable it is back onto the, the parable itself. One of the things I want to look at just a little bit is uh, look at verse 20 through 23 with me, if you would. This is the, the interaction when the, when the master returns, and I think it's worth looking at a little bit. So the first one, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, so, you know, the stuff he had earned, saying, Master, uh, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So in this interaction here, it's, depending on your translation, it can seem a little mechanical. Um, but I think if you use your sanctified imagination a little bit from the wording, you, you can imagine this being a, a warm interaction between the faithful servant and the master, right? Because he was entrusted with a little, but he was pleased that his master trusted him, that he gave him abilities, he gave him gifts, gave him talents to use. He said, while I'm gone, put these to good use, right? And a couple of the translations, when the, when the master comes back and the servants come forward, in the ESV it says, here, you know, the, the, the servants say, here, look what I have, and couple of the other translations will say see or look. Um, I, I kind of imagine it, probably all you folks who have children, you know, when your, your child does something that they're proud of and they want to bring it up to you, they're like, look, look what I did, you know, I, I, I made this or, you know, so especially something you've taught them, you know, if, if you've taught them how to do something and, you know, they, they bring it to you and they're like, look, you know, I, I read this or I created that or I made this. Um, I kind of imagine that's the way the interaction here is with him. You know, the servant knew he was entrusted with something and was pleased that, Master, look what I've done. You know, I've, I've increased what was yours. Isn't this awesome? And then the master, of course, responds back. And at the end, he says, you know, enter into your master's joy. A few of the other translations, uh, like NIV and New Living Translation, say, you know, come and share your master's happiness, or let's celebrate together. 
right? So, so again, it's, it's the master who is pleased with his servant because he knows I trusted you with a little bit and you took that little bit and you did something with it. You know, you, you weren't slothful. You, you increased it. You increased my kingdom. And, you know, so well done. Let's celebrate together because that's something joyful. You know, you've gone out and increased. So that's, that's really a... Um, I like the way that there, there's that interaction and that, and I see that, you know, obviously that's Jesus is the master, we're the servants. That's what's expected of us as we wait, right? As we wait for his return, he's given us gifts and abilities of talents that we are to to use to further his kingdom, to, to build up his kingdom uh, as, as we wait on him. But what does that look like? Right, you know, it's, so what does it look like to use the master's talents? Right, the, the parable doesn't really go into it, and I explained a little bit at the beginning, probably of what one of the servants would have done. You know, if they were in charge of the the granary, they would have, you know, sold at a better price or, or done something to increase it. But you know, that's not really what we do today. I imagine. When Jesus told this, there would be people who would have a lot of different ideas of what they would do with the master's resources because, you know, it, it's the culture they lived in. But it's not really a culture we live in a lot. So if you would, um, you don't have to turn there with me, but if you want to, in Romans 12, 9 through 13, I want to read something what I think it does look like. And this is one of our ministry markers. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. I think right there is, is clearly one example of how we use spiritual gifts in, in different ways to, to multiply those talents, to, to increase the, the Lord's kingdom, right? To, to minister to one another, to show Christ to not just the folks in this body, but, but people outside as well. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, this is one of our markers. It's because it, it is truly this is what should mark us if we have that, that inward uh, change. I mean, there's also the Great Commission, right? I mean, Jesus himself, he commanded, you know, go forth and make disciples. I mean, that's another way. Uh, in, in Romans here, it doesn't clearly say, you know, make disciples, but that's one of the things we're commanded to do. Right, to, to increase the kingdom for those who are part of the family of God to make them more like Christ every day. You know, we, we all probably do something similar for discipleship. It's just not discipleship, but we probably do it every day, you know, about teaching and things like that. Now, obviously the difference is discipleship is very specific. It's about growing people to be more like Christ every day. And some folks who have walked for a long time do that to younger folks, younger folks by age or by faith, parents 
you do it with your children every day, I'm sure, right? I mean, teach them the Bible, help them to memorize scripture, do things like that. So, you know, there's, there's that service as well, but it could be spiritual children that you have, maybe not just biological. You know, someone who's younger that you're, you're teaching them in the faith, you're growing them uh, to be more like Christ and ideally more people. Right, so again, increasing what belongs to Christ. So that's the one thing we need to get out of the, the parable, right? Is, is what is what is Jesus trying to say here to tell to his disciples? You're going to be given gifts, given abilities. Some will be given a little, and some will be given more. But in this parable, he talks about, you know, both of them were given a little. Even the one who had five, it said, you know, you've been given a little because the master has a lot. You know, Matt, you, you talked about it during one of the songs, how if we had everything in creation that we could give to God, that would not be enough of an offering. So to him, in, in the parable, giving five talents, that's still just a drop in the bucket. It's, it's a small amount. But remember, we're given the, the gifts to serve God and serve his kingdom and then to grow it, and the Lord blesses that. If that's his will, if it's his work, he will bless it. You know, in the parable we see, well, you've been given a little since you were faithful with it. I will grow that. You know, some examples may be uh, evangelists who go out and reach tens of thousands of people, right? That may, that may be somebody who has been given the five talents and they have responsibility for a lot more. But still, even the one who was given the two, which was less, but they were blessed for being faithful and given more to, to be responsible for, right? So again, growing that. So that's, I think, what we take away, the positive that we take away um, out of this parable is, while we're waiting, because no one knows the time, the Lord has given us talents to use, right? Gifts and abilities to serve his kingdom, to further his work. And we are to be using those as we are waiting for his return. Now, at the beginning, I said there were two things we don't want to get out of this parable. And I want to touch on those briefly. It could be very easy to look at this parable as we look at the, the third servant and think, oh, well, the third servant, he just took the talents, went out and hid it in the ground, didn't do any work, and he was condemned. So, oh, it must be works. That's what it's all about. We have to work, and that's how we earn our salvation because the ones who did the work they were rewarded, well done, good and faithful servant, you'll get more. The other one, you didn't do anything, so you're cast out. Right? So it could be very easy to look at this and think, it, it must be about works. You know, Works is definitely involved in our salvation somehow. And that could be a very common uh, mistake to make. But, you know, again, if we think about using Scripture to interpret Scripture, we find that that's definitely not true. And I'll give you two examples real quick. Um, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But in Romans 3, 23 and 24, 
and then after that, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. I'll read Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Um, just side note on that, in our, in our grow group, we've spent the last couple of months with Paul beating us up in the first three chapters of Romans about it's not about works, it's not about who you are, it's not about where you come from, what you do, anything like that. Um, and this we just got into last week, so the good news of it. And, and clearly, that is, it, it is a gift. In, in Ephesians 2, it's something similar. But God, and, and this is after Paul had just said, you're dead in your trespasses and sins, and we're all hopeless, and we don't seek after God. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Right, so if we think about that, and there's other places in Scripture where it clearly says that it's not works. So don't read this parable and think, oh, well, this is something where it's, just, it's saying it works. It's not. Um, and we'll get to that in a moment. Clearly, our salvation is, is a gift from God, so don't read into this that, that it's not. Um, it's just that the, if you think about the first two servants that we talked about, and you know, sort of the interaction that they had of, you know, look, look what I've done with, with what you've given me. You know, there, there's that relational component to it. it. It's their heart that has been changed, and that's, that's why they did what they did, because they loved their Lord. They loved their master, and they're like, I, I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing, right? I, it, to, to do his work is joyous, and so that's, that's what it is. It's not that they're doing it because they're afraid or they think that they're going to earn something. So I just want to call that one out. There's another part that I really want to make sure that we walk away from this as we look at this parable and understand something. Uh, because, you know, in the, as I was explaining a little bit about the parable, you know, of obviously the master is Jesus. He goes on the journey. Um, that's when he ascends. He will come back eventually. And we're awaiting his return. And then the servants are the people in, in his family and God, his servants, right? So one thing that we could look at this and make another mistake with is to think that we can lose our salvation, right? Say, oh, well, the last servant, the one who, who hid the talent, he was cast out. So that must mean that, you know, if you don't work or if you displease God, that somehow he's just going to say, okay, well, I'm, I'm done with you. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't love me enough. So... I'm done with you, you're gone, right? That, that's another mistake we could make reading this parable, and, and we shouldn't. And here's a couple of reasons why. And this is coming from, from Jesus, right? Where Jesus himself even says, all that the Father gives me, I won't lose any. No one can pluck them from my hands. So again, if, if, you're, making, if you're taking notes, um, make note of John 6, 37 and 39 and John 10 27 and 29 because these are two passages where Jesus very clearly says that that's not what this parable was talking about right 
So reading John 6, all those the Father, and I'm reading this as um, this is NIV, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who has sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. So that's Jesus himself saying that all the Father has given me, all the people, he'll lose none of them. And in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Blue mic? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> I'll start over. Uh, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will st snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So again, that's something that we, we need to be careful not to read into uh, as, as we we read this parable, is to think that work saves us or that somehow if we don't work hard enough or we displease God in some way, that he's going to cast us out, right? So those are two things we definitely want to make sure that we don't don't go to. But that still leaves the question of the third servant, right? The, the servant who had the one talent just went out and, and put it in the ground and you know, when the master came back, he said, here, I'm giving you back what's yours, sort of, right? He said a few other things. And, and that's where I think we really need to put a little bit of attention to understand why the, the other two points don't apply. Let me get back to my... So when I, uh, when I was reading, I, I flipped my marker out of my Bible, and now i got to go back there. So, lesson not to do that again. So let, let's look at the interaction between the third servant, and keep in mind the, the interaction between the other two. Right? So... He who also received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what's yours. So do, do you notice the difference in the reaction of the, the first two servants and, and the third servant? So he basically fears his master, maybe even despises him. He's accusing him of, you know, hey, you're a crook. You, you go and you, you gain things that aren't yours, and you don't treat people well, and, you know, so, so he's afraid of him, right? And he doesn't seem to know him at all. The, the other two 
servants who came forward i mean they were joyful they were happy they were like master look what i've done look you gave me these things the other one he's like i'm you know i'm, I'm afraid you're you're a crook you're you're a terrible person he, he just doesn't know him right now and, and i think that's something that we need to be very conscious of as we read this the first two servants know their master. They love their master. The, the, the third one does not. He doesn't know him at all. If you think about the parable of the sower that Jesus talked about in, uh, I think that was Matthew 6, a few pages back, um, he talks about the seed being sown, right? And some of the seed will fall on the path some on the rocky ground, some in amongst the thorns, and then some in the good soil, right? So that shouldn't really surprise us. I mean, if, if the seed is the word of God that's being spread, there are going to be people who appear to be in the family of God who aren't accepted. They, 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 the Holy Spirit has not changed them and regenerated them, right? I think it's it's also worth noting that in that parable, three out of the four seeds fall on ground that doesn't produce good fruit. And I think that is a direct um, correlation to what we see here with the third servant. He's, he's maybe heard the word, he's, he's had that seed, but something has happened. Either the birds have come by and grabbed it or it, it hasn't grown in the soil or it gets choked out by the by the thorns so i think that's what we really need to look at as we go through this parable and just be conscious that while we wait for christ we wait for his return we use the talents that he's given us to further his kingdom to build one another up we looked at one example of what that looks like you know we we serve each other we don't come out of this parable thinking that somehow we are the third servant and that we can lose our salvation or that somehow it's about works. You know, those, those are some things that we need to be very, very clear about. So as I bring this in for a landing, you know, I just want to make another comment. Now, as we, we think about this and we think about this parable, we should think about our lives and the talents that the lord has given us you know are we the first or the second servant or are we maybe the third do we fear god in an unhealthy way do we not know him you know do we look at him and, and anticipate his return and we we wait for that day where we can say lord the the gifts you've given me look what i've i've done you know i've, I've done your work um i'm I'm trying to please you because I love you, not because I'm fearful of you, right? So we want to make sure we're the servants who know Christ, who know who he is, that the Holy Spirit has regenerated us and changed our hearts to know and to love God and not like the third servant. Because right now in our current cultural context and I, and I know there's nothing new under the sun every generation kind of goes through something like this there are a lot of people who are like the third servant they don't know god 
well, if God's love, and then why would he hate this or hate that? You know, he should just love everybody. You know, he must be mean. He must be this. He must be that. And so we hear that a lot. We hear that a lot today from folks. Um, I wish Sherilyn was in here because there was something she shared in our grow group last week about deconstructing your faith, right? Where, you know, there are people who they don't know God, but they have, they're telling other people, well, you need to go question everything. And I won't go down the rabbit hole on that one, but it's, it's something that just, you you have to be cautious of, right? Um, Know God, love God. And do you know him? That is a question to ask. You know, if, um, if you feel like you're the first two servants where you know Christ, you're eagerly waiting his return, you're using the gifts that he's given you to further his kingdom for him, his glory, not for your own, well done, keep doing it. If for some reason you feel more like the third servant and you don't really know Christ or you're, you're afraid, you're, you feel like God's ready to just drop the hammer on you, and if you displease him, he's just going to cast you out. That's not the God we serve. That's not Christ. If you want to know more about that, come talk to me after the service. Talk to Matt. Talk to Steve, um, Danny, or Rob, you know, a couple of deacons, the elders. Talk to somebody. If you've come visiting with someone, talk to them about that. You know, Ask those questions because that's the God we serve. I mean, he's, he's loving. He's generous. Uh, you know, Matt, I love the song selection this morning. I mean, it was just, it extolled a lot of those values. Like, God loves us that much. So let's pray to him. Father, we do just thank you for the gifts that you've given. Just thank you for the gifts you've given us personally and the spiritual gifts, but also the gift of Christ that he came to die for us, even though we don't deserve it, we don't earn it, it's it's something we could never pay back. Lord, we just want to be faithful with what you've given us to further your kingdom, for your glory, and it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen. So thank you for joining us this morning. Um, Hope everybody's had a, a great Sunday. Good worship music this morning. Um, those who are visitors, uh, welcome. Glad you were with us this morning. If you haven't already, if you would fill out a, a visitor card, I'll buy the welcome center and drop it in the box. That would definitely help us. Um, so we know you were visited. And if you want to be contacted, please fill that out. Um, if uh, I think that's basically it. So we always end with... You know, go and connect in communities and change lives by sharing the love and good news of Jesus Christ with those around you. And, and truly, just like what we talked about this morning, share it. Use those talents, whether those that's your personality, whether it's your ability to speak, uh, anything like that. Just, you know, share Jesus with everybody you run in today. And with that, you're dismissed. Have a blessed day.